Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Lifefoot delivers. What about crime? Not now, Felix and Oscar. We got a show to do. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot the Felix and Oscar commercials. Come on, Mayor Lifefoot. You can do better than that. <laughs> Come on to Felix and Oscar. First of all, nobody knows who Felix and Oscar is except for a bunch of baby boomers. All right, let's listen to the ad. Lifefoot delivers. What about crime? People don't know. She's delivering record spending for violence reduction, getting guns off the street, and more money for police. You know we didn't get into this mess overnight. True. Getting out of it takes time. And Lifefoot has a plan, right? <laughs> Hold on. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Want to play? God. Love to, but I've got work to do for our city. Yep. boss. Uh-huh. I forgot that I got work to do, man. Lori Lightfoot, would you give the Isley Brothers credit? You stole that line from the Isley Brothers. Or somebody, whoever wrote the commercial, stole it from the Isley Brothers. Lori Lightfoot's probably too young to know that song, the Isley Brothers. I got work to do. I got a job. I'm sure the 20-something-year-olds who made that were like, you know what? Let's quote the Isley Brothers on this one. And they don't even know the Those 20-year-olds who made it are like, the who? Isley? Who? I never heard of them. All right. You think any of those two guys, Felix and Oscar, know who the Isley brothers are? Uh huh. <laughs> Your Ben Jarovsky show for Wednesday, November 23rd, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. Every now and again, they talk about pot. And so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, November 23rd. And this is your pre-Thanksgiving Ben Jarofsky show. And now your host, yes, Gobble Gobble. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Why Not Gobble Gobble Wednesday. And here's why. I wasn't going to call it Gobble Gobble Wednesday, but Dr. D put that in my mind. It's the day before Thanksgiving. So we're gobbling. We're getting ready to gobble. Getting ready to gobble. That's harder to than you think to say. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so we're all kind of slowing down. That was kind of one of on my mind. I was thinking about all the articles that are happening, all the news events that are happening unfolding still uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Like, there's a whole bunch of them. But we're all kind of like slowing down and chilling down. I'm like, hmm, do I take the deep dive in any of these stories? Or are people just like at that? Even news junkies, political junkies. And I know the people who listen to my show are political junkies. Because if you're listening to my show, you're a political junkie. You know what's going on. As opposed to like 90% of the people in the city of Chicago and the world don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. 90% of the people. The, the mayor's commercial is dedicated to people who don't know what's going on. They give it two characters, Felix and Oscar. Gee, I forgot that commercial and you played it again. Every time I hear it, I just shake my head. 
we got to lower, 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 lower standards. You know, then the guy stick, sticks in that line. You know, this didn't happen overnight. You know, that's, the, that's like Rom would do that. Rom would ignore something for like three years. And then it would be unavoidable, like Laquan McDonald video when he was finally forced to release it. And we saw evidence of Laquan McDonald being killed. So, and then Rom goes, well, you know, these problems have been around for 30 or 40 years. I just can't stop them overnight. You never said one word about those problems until the Quam McDonald video was forced. You were forced to release it. So that's kind of like what mayors do. I mean, I do know the problems of the city of Chicago have been around for a long, long time. That is true. But as soon as the mayors get elected, they promise all the promises they say to deal with the problems that we have, open window, throw out. <laughs> it's a whole new day. Anyways, I'm sitting here like, here's what's happening around the country. I just got wrote down a few notes. Uh, abortion challenged uh, in, uh, in Georgia, overruled. Abortion is now illegal after uh, six weeks. Uh, the law was passed, then it was challenged successfully. Uh, and then the Supremes in Georgia, the Supreme Court in Georgia, uh, blocked the uh, judge's ruling in an earlier case. So abortion is illegal. So that battle's still going on. Down in Georgia, Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock. That senatorial battle is going on. Man, come on. I think everybody, I think even MAGA, as they line up to vote for Herschel Walker, if you ask them, if they could just like go into a booth and nobody would record what they say, they would admit this is the most embarrassing candidate Ever? I don't know. Ever is a big word. But it's a very embarrassing candidate, Herschel Walker. Every every time I see a clip of Herschel Walker doing something, it's like, oh, my God, please stop. It's just, I dissected my last column. I dissected his comments. I'm trying to figure out uh, what he was getting at when he blamed his opponent, Raphael Warnock, uh, for the cancellation of the Archie Bunker show, which is not even the name of the show, whatever. It's a show from way back when in the 70s and the early 80s, ladies and gentlemen, had nothing to do whatsoever with Raphael Warnock. I'm like, where is he going? Where is his mind going? What is he? And I think it had something to do with, like he was trying to say something about cancel culture, which is totally made up by MAGA anyway. Uh, but uh, so that race is still going on. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to do the deep dive on um, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. The Republicans are coming into Congress and they're vowing they're, uh, to do the investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop, which is like this really improbable, weird story where Hunter Biden, son of President Joe Biden, brought his laptop in to be repaired. Somehow or other, the laptop got in the hands of MAGA. They're having a field day with it. They're trying to get uh, they're trying to get traction on this story. And the uh, the Republicans who are taking charge in Congress uh, now that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats uh, have been dethroned. Thanks for nothing. New York Democrats, you totally dropped the ball. And now the Republicans that get to uh, take control due to your incompetence. Uh, they're vowing to get to the bottom of Hunter Biden's laptop. And as a guy who's like really into conspiracy theories and really into deep dive investigations, I have to admit there's part of me that really welcomes this. I want to see where we go with this Hunter lap Biden laptop thing. So these are just some of the stories that we're all settling down. This is what's happening in the universe, folks. So when you're eating your little turkey tomorrow, this is the stuff that you may or may not want to be talking about with your relatives. Uh, because I don't know if, if you don't agree with them, the next thing you know, be throwing Turkey uh, 
legs at each other. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest, distinguished guest, uh, Angela Clay, and uh, longtime resident of the city of Chicago, longtime resident of the community called Uptown, uh, which is on the north side of Chicago, and candidate for alderman of the 46th Ward, which for years and years and years, as long as I can remember, as long as I live in Chicago, has been the Uptown Ward. Uh, so, Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It is a true pleasure to be here with you. Happy almost turkey day. Yes. Happy almost turkey day. Uh, just one day to go. Are you going to have a nice Thanksgiving? Or are you going to take time off from the campaign trails? and uh, yes, celebrate? I'm going to be a human for 72 hours. I'm going to, you know, clean up my house, get ready for my mom to come in, tell me how I haven't been upkeeping it and cook food for me. Oh, your mom's going to cook for you? Yeah, she's going to come to my house this year. She's doing me a solid and coming and cooking at my house this year. Can she cook? Oh, what? <laughs> okay. Hold on. <laughs> Ding dong. That's me at the door. Hey, where's that food? Uh, all right, Angela Clay, let's uh, let's talk some politics. And I'm fascinated by uptown politics. I have been forever. Uh, and I'm fascinated by your campaign. And uh, the path you have to travel to get elected, the obstacles you have to clear to get ele- elected. Uh, but before we take the deep dive on who you are, talk a little bit about Uptown, the 46th Ward, where it is, and sort of it's the role it can play. Uh, in Chicago and progressive politics. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, Uptown in the 46th Ward is conveniently located right on the north side uh, along our lakefront. We go from relatively just before Addison all the way to just before Argyle. We go all the way west to Clark Street. And because of Chicago remapping, we have a new uh, section that goes just right past down Irvin Park to Ashland. So we've got a giant chunk of Uptown, Bueno Park, Lakeview, Sheridan Park, and we are one of the dopest communities in the entire world. I don't say that because I'm a product of it, but I truly say that because a lot of people um, who've been a part of the progressive wave have stemmed from Uptown. Uptown um, is and has always been a stomping ground for organizing. If there was anything that you wanted to learn on a macro level in the city of Chicago, you could come to the 46th Ward and find those same issues um, prevalent here, right? So the 46th Ward is near and dear to my heart because my family has deep roots here. We've been here for actually over 80 years, Ben. So I am a daughter of this ward. I am a granddaughter of this ward. And I'm now raising a lovely, beautiful human, a two-year-old. And so as I adult, <laughs> a lot of these issues that we're talking about on a macro level, um, I'm starting to face them, right? So Uptown has historically been a safe haven for you name it, um, refugees, people of color, um, folks who have been displaced from other parts of the city, right? And we've always had an open arms appeal to them. We've always wanted to make sure that they were housed, that they were fed, and that they had the resources that they needed to actually progress in life. Um, And I want to continue on that spirit. We have the opportunity now 
to be a community that represents the entire city of Chicago properly, where we show people, this is how you get down. This is how you protect your neighbors and this is how you provide for them. So I'm super excited about the vision for the 46th Ward and how we can impact uh, politics on a much bigger level. Now you talk about being in Uptown, your family's roots are 80 years. It's a long time, 80 years. So where exactly in Uptown did you grow up? And talk about some, uh, what Uptown was like when you were, you're very young in my book, but. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm an adult now, a little, a little young. But yeah, I grew up uh, in the heart of Uptown, as I would call it, on Hazel and Sunnyside in a beautiful, affordable housing unit. You will hear me say this. I am literally the poster child for affordability, right? Right. So when my um, when my family migrated here, it was from my great grandmother um, and my mom actually went to Gowdy Elementary School. She graduated from Lakeview High School. Right. Um, my I've had generations of family members go to Joseph Brenneman, where I currently sit on the LSC of and Joan before it was Uplift Community High School it was Joan F. Arrive Middle School. Yes. Which is a pillar uh, in, in Uptown. So I literally uh, grew up in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, amazing uh, family unit that provided protection for me and my family for generations. My grandmother, who moved us into that unit, um, didn't have an eighth grade uh, high de- degree, basically. She was a barely five-foot Irish and German woman who was very instrumental in making sure that um a lot of the affordability that we have in this this neighborhood actually came to fruition. She stomped with an organization called uh, Voice of the People, which is an over 50-year-old non-for-profit that protects and provides affordable housing to our neighbors in this ward. I was in walking distance of the beautiful lakefront. I was in walking distance from Jewel Osco to the Salvation Army to the Red Line um, to Truman College, right? I literally could walk out of my doors and within five to six minutes, um, be in a very resourceful area that for whatever reason I needed, they were there to provide that. I could also hop on the bus and get to Lincoln Park and go to the zoo free of charge because if your grandmother was like mine, she was packing lunches and traveling all over the city for free events to take energetic babies to. Um, And we've had the opportunity to grow, you know, just be able to build generations to come with great education. Uh, We have one of the best elementary schools in our backyard, Disney Elementary. Um, We are a ward of families. And I was able to be a part of that group. I knew my neighbors. Um, If if I was caught doing something wrong, my neighbors were definitely going to go back and tell on me. They were going to tap me before I went home. I actually knew um, we had a beat cop, Ben. His name was Officer foot who would actually go around the neighborhood and uh, talk to us if if we were doing something wrong if we were ditching school that wasn't me if my mom is listening that was never me uh if if somebody if a, if a, just a young child was doing young kids stuff he would take them home you know and we had those relationships in our community that really built this tight-knit network um of families and organizers so that's kind of the background that I grew up in. I went to Joseph Brenneman. I graduated from the Uplift Community High School, one of the best high schools in the city of Chicago. Super shameless plug because that high school really made me who the woman 
that I am today. Um, I would not be here if it was not for Karen Zacker, my biology teacher when I was 14, telling me, Angela, that you have the opportunity to organize people. You have the opportunity to organize young people and you have the opportunity to organize your elders because they honestly um, appreciate your care and they appreciate you listening to them and then taking their voices and escalating them. So that is what uh, the 46 War produced. All right. I, you've uh, given me a lot of material to work with, a lot of follow-up questions to ask. Uh, I'm going to, f- uh, I don't know which pl- uh, particular order I should take them. I just want to point out that uh, uh, Officer Foot is a great name <laughs> for a beat cop. <laughs> He's off for Foot because he walks with his feet. Okay. Uh, so uh, Officer Foot, uh, shout out to you. All right. Um, so many things to talk about. I'll just start out. You, you, since you mentioned officer foot, uh, let's talk about crime and policing and, um, cause that's going to be a huge issue. Uh, well, throughout the city, uh, it, it uh, law and order, criminal justice, however you want to frame it or phrase it. Uh, and it's a, a very delicate issue for people to talk about who are not of like the MAGA persuasion, like MAGA is like lock them up, <laughs> throw away the key. Yeah. That crack it down on crime. Uh, and then people who are the more uh, from the leftist viewpoint uh, have this like they need and they got to talk about it as a holistic thing, you know. Well, it's just not about locking people up, and, and that always gets you know when the crime is up, Angela, people get nervous, and then they get the other side goes, uh, they're defunders. So this is this is the climate we're in. Uh, it's really hard for people of the left to talk about criminal justice, crime, policing, et cetera, and so forth. So what's your vision uh, for an adequate way to provide security for people uh, in uh, the 46th ward? Go ahead. Yeah. So my vision is really our vision, Ben, you know, talking to my neighbors, I've had the pleasure to just understand that we have literally the same shared concerns. As a mom, I want to be able to walk out of my door at any given time, take a nice stroll with my baby. I want to make sure that my catalytic converter is not coming uh, missing on my vehicle. And I also want to make sure that our neighbors who are having mental health crises are not harmed in any way by anyone. So I've had the opportunity to really sit down and realize that it is a holistic approach that we can take here. There is not just one lane. And obviously we know that just locking them up and throwing away the key does not stop crime and it doesn't solve it. Honestly, Um, as a young person, I feel like I have witnessed um, I've witnessed firsthand being unsafe in certain situations where I felt like um, the powers that be did not listen to me and that they did not have my best interests at heart. And I've also had the opportunity to come across some pretty amazing people in these institutions that don't represent the whole, right? So when we're talking about public safety, I feel like a lot of people feel that we're talking about just lawlessness and wanting to make sure that our streets are just, you know, riddled with crime. No, absolutely not. We are actually trying to prevent crime before it actually happens. 
happens. And I think that that's pretty amazing to say we know that there are things that can push people to crime like poverty. We know that we can push people to crime if we're closing down mental health facilities that they actually need. Right. So observing this in a holistic way, um, when you're talking to neighbors and you're saying, "Okay, look, have you ever witnessed somebody having a mental health breakdown, which I feel like majority of us have if you've rolled the red line in the city of Chicago, right? So when you're seeing this happen, you want to make sure that we're getting to the root causes of what they're experiencing. And that means sending out somebody who can help them um, and not feel like they're being put in danger or that they feel like that they have to um, succumb to, you know, uh, an iron fist. No, we want to make sure that we're sending somebody out to talk to them, to listen to them, and then to get them the resources that they need um, without putting them in Cook County. <laughs> uh, if you know this, you know that Cook County is literally um, a mental health hospital right now. It, it really is not a tool that's deterring crime. It's literally where people are looking at, even if, if crime happens, they're just going to get a slap on the wrist in a few days in Cook County, where that's not their job. Cook County is should not be a mental health hospital. We should have public mental health hospitals to serve those neighbors. We also need to be talking to our, our communities and listening to them, right? Half of us being in such a a dense ward like the 46th ward half of us we go home uh we go to work we may go to the grocery store but we don't have those interconnections like we once had where people were honestly getting to know their neighbors and getting to know their concerns during covid we jumped to the forefront um, of mutual aid and making sure that our elders had groceries which we still do every wednesday and saying we know that this is a problem we know that this is a need and we're going to meet that need. I feel like we can do the same thing when it comes to public safety because no one, no one, even in the most crime riddled parts of this city wants to live in danger. That's just not what anybody wakes up each day and says, I want to live in a crime-filled community. But we know that living in a crime-filled community is also tied to underinvestment. We know that a crime-filled community is tied to under-resourced schools and underfunded schools. We also know that crime is also uh, tied to mental health concerns, right? So we've all we've all been aware of these issues for a long time. And I feel like we've just taken the approach of lock them up and throw away the key. Why are we not trying other avenues where we can holistically deal with this and give people the, the care and the resources that they need to be better human so that they don't continuously fall into a cycle of crime. Where I get in trouble with my friends of the leftist persuasion uh, is when I do things like I'm about to say this, get your response. I endorse uh, policing like uh, I just have so much fun with the man's name, Officer Foot. Uh, And and, uh, I just believe. I believe we need more police officers in the city of Chicago and they should be better trained uh, and they should be trained to work in a very specific communities uh, and they should walk a beat and they should know uh, who the principal is at the local school, who the teachers are at the local school. I know this sounds very naive because the city of Chicago uh, can be a very cruel, cold, savage place where everybody lives in their own little tribes. Uh, and all they do is fight with one and each other. But when you started talking about officer foot that triggered a thing in my mind, every successful uh, Angela park district 
that I ever went to or any Y program had someone in charge who is connected with the community that the people used it. Knew the, knew the, knew the kids, knew their parents, knew their brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts. And I just, I really, I don't know how I've never seen any mayor in your lifetime anyway, uh, make a move in this front where you, train police officers to work within a community as opposed to training police officers to, to what to occupy a community. So I want to get your thoughts about uh, the Ben program, uh, hiring police officers, but training them to be more like officer foot. Go ahead. I think the Ben program isn't a half bad program, Ben. I think that what you're alluding at is exactly what a lot of us as new alders are going to be trying to push, which is that connection with the communities that you serve. Look, at the end of the day, the side of the car says protect and serve. (laughs) We have to get back to those morals of protecting and serving the communities in which you work. My experience, I understand, is not uh, a normal experience that you will hear from an inner city youth in the city of Chicago. But my experience made made a difference in my upbringing. It made me have more respect for, for, for police officers. It also made me um, understand that they too want to get home to their families. Right. I am, I am, this is in no way um, a stab at any Chicago police officer listening to this program, because again, you all are humans doing a job, but as you are doing that job, I agree with you. You should be trained on how to properly do that job. We cannot, you know, expect us to put a um, uh, somebody behind a CTA bus that just got, you know, their learner's permit. That's just not how this works. And I feel like that's what we've been given, especially when I'm talking to young people. There is just um, a lot of people who feel like they don't know who is protecting and serving their community. They have no idea. There is no effort being put forth to say, let me come and get to know you at your high school basketball game. Let me come and get to know you at a back to school event. It's only when there is a time of crisis that we are seeing people show up at our door, very aggressive, very irate when we are the ones that are suffering with the trauma, when we are the ones that are experiencing some really heavy stuff that we need assistance and protection from. Right. So I agree with you that we absolutely need to be training our police officers, but we also need to give them some backup. And that backup comes in the form of mental health training. That backup comes in the form of of mental health hospitals. That backup comes in the form of making sure that we have after school programs for our young people to feel safe in every day. These are just tools that we know work to build a house. I'm not going to try to keep rebuilding this house with chicken wire. And I know it doesn't stick. I know it doesn't work. So if we know that the things that we're doing and the tools that we have are not the proper tools that we need, let's start sharpening our other tools and putting them to work too. All right, let's uh, move on to another thing you talked about, and that's education. Uh, You made reference to the fact that you're a proud graduate of Uplift High School. Uh, I think you were from the first class, you told me, the first graduating class at Uplift. It used to be a rye uh, middle school. And uh, I um, Uplift High School, folks may know it, basketball fans may know it. I think it was uh, Coach David Taylor's team and 
2015 was state champion. How about that? They were the state champion over there on Wilson Avenue. Uh, and so shout out to Uplift High School for that state championship uh, back in 2015. Since uh, 2015, Pop, uh, Roman has fallen at Uplift High School. Uh, and um, all kinds of talk about uh, how that might change, how he might build up enrollment. I think it's part of a larger demographic trend that's happening in Uptown in general. But why don't you address this issue? What can you, uh, as alderwoman, do uh, to bring more people to uh, to bring to bring more uh, students, get par- more parents in Uptown uh, to support the local schools? Go ahead. Absolutely. One, I want to be a mascot. I want them to see that you can raise your family, send them to amazing schools, and they can be the next leaders of this community, all within walking distance of your home. Uplift Community High School is a hidden gem in. Uh, Chicago public schools and in the 46th ward. Historically, um, students who've gone to Uplift Community High School have been poor and working class families um, that live and work within walking distance or within easy transit of the 46th ward. My family was no different. Um, I actually wound up at Uplift Community High School because I missed the open enrollment deadline because why would Chicago offer equitable schools all over? You got to take a specialized test to get into the top. So I missed the deadline, Ben, and um, my my teachers and uh, an amazing organization called Northside Action for Justice was stomping around the ward, uh, telling parents that you should send your child to this amazing high school. My mom was like, just go there for a semester and I promise you I will get you into the Lames and the Whitney Youngs. And I went, Ben, and I never left. Behind those doors, I found myself. I found teachers that looked like myself. I found teachers that lived in my community. I would run into them at the grocery store, right? They actually knew me. They knew my family. They knew my needs. They knew my triggers. If they if they saw me falling asleep in a classroom, they didn't berate me in the middle of class. They would pull me to the side after class and say, Angela, what's going on? Why aren't you getting enough sleep at home? That goes into a conversation that's deeper than homework. Right. Uh, We had the opportunity of having a physician on site, Ben. Uplift Community High School had an entire health care system on site, which as a young person navigating hormones and bodily changes, that is important. That is important to have somebody that you can trust and that you can go to and talk through everything that you need to as a young person. That literally was a saving grace for a lot of uh, families who couldn't afford a doctor's bill or who couldn't afford to take off work to take you to the doctor. I could send you to school and I could send you to the doctor at the same time on your school lunch. This is a two for one right now. We also had amazing programs, right? So my, my start in organizing Uh, began when a bunch of uh, us started getting tired of the CPS lunch. If you are a CPS student, you know the cheese, pizza, the spicy chicken, and the nachos. That is like the standardized meal of CPS. And we were like, no salad? (laughs) No water? Just milk? Like, okay, this does not fit within the pyramid, I don't think. And so we started organizing each other. We started going to classrooms and actually filling out questions theirs and and really organize the students in there till we got all the way up to the food chain and sat down with the actual food providers and said look 
where's the rest? Where's the hidden menu? <laughs> where's the secret menu you have back there? Because this is not to our liking. And with that, we were able to get an entire rollout. So once we saw that we could influence something as small as lunches, we said, okay, well, let's take this a little bit further. We started organizing around the high school dropout rate because when I was in high school, the dropout rate in Chicago public schools was 50%, which meant that myself or one of my classmates was not going to make it to the finish line. And it was definitely going to be me because if you know my parents, there is nothing more important to them than education. So that also meant that the repercussions of not having a high school diploma was going to be real and it was going to be things that people were going to have to navigate. And why is it 50% in the first place? So for three years, um, we did participatory action research. We founded a group called Voices of Youth in Chicago Education. We traveled the entire country then looking at classrooms, looking at pedagogies. I looked at the lighting. I looked at the, I, I talked to the janitors. I talked to the lunch ladies because again, we're in classes um, with people all day. We see our, our teachers in our class classrooms more than we see our parents, right? So why not get to talk to everybody that's involved in this student's upbringing? And we got a chance to really sit down with CPS and say, look, these are the things that you need to implement to make sure that students are feeling connected to stay in school. One, are you teaching them culturally relevant curriculum? Because God, Are we still learning about Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue? Okay, great. Can we go a little deeper than that? Can we talk about, you know, relevant history where people will connect with themselves and be able to see themselves? Because not everybody sees themselves in Christopher Columbus. For some of us, it's a massacre that we're reliving generational trauma for. So are we actually looking at the classroom settings? Are we reading textbooks that still have my mother's names in them, right? Are we getting to the root causes of where, before it was a sustainable community school model, which I am such a proponent for, Uplift Community High School was that. Unfortunately, it was never deemed the neighborhood high school of the 46th Ward. So get this, Ben. For 17 years now, we've had this amazing gym in the middle of the 46th Ward producing amazing adults. We've never said, okay, it is the official high school of the 46th Ward. Nicholas Sin is the official high school of the 46th Ward, which is not easily accessible. You have to get on public transportation. Um, And it is a it is a strain for families. If you have to pay for busing every day, that is an added bill, right? So I, as the alderman and as a proud graduate of this amazing high school, I'm going to be pressuring CPS at all costs to officially name it and recognize it as what it is. It really is the official high school of the 46th Ward. The the unfortunate thing is we are a community of elementary schools, Ben, which have been bypassing us because on their eighth grade transcripts, it says Nicholas Sin. And again, Families, no problem. They're just going to send their babies to where it says send them. And if you aren't conscious enough to know that this is a gym right here in your backyard, we are literally draining the resources that this that this high school needs by not just creating a pathway uh, for students to go in there. I had the opportunity of working at Uplift Community High School um, right 
before the pandemic and during the pandemic. And you know what I was able to do, Ben? We started um, what we called the Uptown Collaborative, where we got all of the elementary schools in the ward to talk to the only high school in the ward, right? You would think that this was a no-brainer and this was something that was already happening, but because of COVID, we were actually facing the same things. How are we gonna make sure that remote learning is successful? How are we gonna push out these resources to our families? We were able to start an ecosystem where students were able to come inside the building because once you're inside the building, you're hooked. It's an amazing three-story building. We have a Kiva, a sunken auditorium, right? Uh, because we are rooted in community and in values. We're one of the only high schools that has a swimming pool. I learned how to swim before I even went to that high school, Ben. I was there in the Arai pool every summer, faithfully. So we actually were able to harness this ecosystem without CPS's help. Again, getting back to Uptown has always taken community um, serious, and we've always noticed that we have to take care of us first before anybody else recognizes and decides to help us. So as alderman, I'm going to be continuously working with these schools to make sure that they are sending students and families in there for the resources that they need. And I'm also going to be making sure that we officially push CPS to make it the neighborhood high school of the 46th Ward. Well, it'd be a big change. Uh, and Senate High School for folks who uh, don't know the area is, is north of Uptown. Uh, and uh, listen, I, we're not, we don't have enough time to do a whole history of the decisions that the Chicago Public School made in the late 90s and the early O's uh, that led to the system that we have now. Uh, and uh, But yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Uplift was never a quote-unquote neighborhood high school, and as a result, it's part of that uh, competition. Like where uh, all the high schools are fighting to get students in, which is a harder fight to do as student enrollment falls. And student enrollment falls in part because families are moving out of Chicago. Families moving out of Chicago in part because it's so damn expensive to live in Chicago. Hello, lefties, property taxes. Uh, you're gonna drive a lot of people out of uptown. Uh, so. Um, Yes, uh, so I wish you the best of luck on that one because up, Uplift is a tremendous asset. Uh, Thank you. I agree with you. I appreciate that. I, I cannot wait again to be the poster child of this establishment because you don't get people from CPS actually promoting CPS, and I want to make sure that they understand that this is ours. It's from yeah. us by us. All right, uh, so let's move into uh, another thing that uh, you mentioned. Uh, I took notes uh, to, and I made it uh, come back to it. Uh, and you were talking about how uh, your family's uh, political roots are with an organization called Voice of the People. And when I first moved to the city of Chicago, Angela, which was like 50,000 years ago, uh, all those Voice of the People activists were really young. I met them, a whole bunch of them. Uh, I was really young, too. And... Um, just off the top of my head, I'm going to give some shit. Mark Zalkin, Mark Kaplan. Uh, there was George Atkins. There was a guy named Curly Cohen. Uh, and, of course, Helen Schiller, who went on to become the alderwoman, uh, legendary alderman of the 46th Ward, and who will be on our show next week. Just a little shout-out promotional. Uh, and um, so they were lefties. And they fit into sort of the leftist side of Chicago politics, big supporters of Harold Washington uh, in 1983. They were there first. They, they weren't, they didn't jump on the bandwagon. They were there at the outset. So I get a lot of support. 
But in terms of Uptown, there was always this political battle where they were up against the more conservative Democratic faction. And there's all these different names that led it at one point or another. It was at Warbach at one time. And now uh, I call him the kid, the young Kappelman, who's the alderman now. Uh, who's leaving because he's younger than I am. Uh, and uh, he's he's leading. But, you know, there was always these uh, conservative types, and they would basically try to put off Helen as like she was a communist. She's a radical. She's a red. Be scared. Uh, so how, you know, Uptown has changed so much so the younger people don't who are probably hearing me right now have no idea what I'm talking about. They've never heard of Mark Salkin. They never heard of George Atkins. They don't know. Maybe they've heard of Mark Kaplan, but who knows? Maybe not. Uh, Helen Schiller's like a distant name in the past, but you were still connected with that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, <laughs> it's it, the names may be forgotten, but the general theme still exists. So how are you going to bridge uh, that divide? You know what I'm saying? How are you going to reach out? to uh, the, the remnants of the Kappelman and Orbach and, the, you know, all the people that were uh, uh, battling your forefathers and mothers. Go ahead. Well, honestly, you know, it, it speaks to the great organizing work that has gone on in Uptown for generations because at the heart of this, I'm an organizer, Ben, and I don't see anybody as the other side. I feel like we are on this this playing field together. <clears throat> and no matter how we look at getting to the end result, which is safe communities, which is great schools, which is walkable neighborhoods, which is quality air, we, we are still in this together. You're still my neighbor. I hope you don't leave me when I become your alderman. Please stay here because I want to work with you. I don't want it to be this opposition of us versus them because it's not. Our families, no matter who you are, uh, from the highest income earners, Ben, I've literally walked past mansions my entire life on Hazel, right? I'm going to get me one one day. <laughs> I've also been, uh, you know, on the front lines of making sure that our houseless neighbors are are protected and they have somewhere to actually stay and live and prosper in the 46th Ward, right? So I don't think that I'm going to have a lot of um, difficulty really just sitting down with our neighbors and saying, look, let's make this a community for all of us. Because at the end of the day, this is why people move here, Ben. They move here because we are so uh, culturally rich. They move here because we have some of the best uh, entertainment districts outside of downtown. They move here because we're in close proximity to the lake. Everybody deserves to live in this ecosystem with us. I've had the opportunity of just being um, a, a vessel for new energy. Um, and I say that very humbly because the energy that you're seeing being is just energies of generations before me who have put in the work and who have been on the front lines. You're saying Mark Kaplan, like he's just in the background and that is literally, we are Mike and Scotty. Okay, <laughs> we are in this together. That is literally um, 
a pioneer of this ward that is still here on the front lines, Ben. And I, and I'm humble by that. I am humble that as a younger generation that I have elders that are still here trying to make sure that I'm protected, that are still here trying to make sure that our neighbors are protected, that my baby is protected. Right? So as a community of families and as a community of neighbors, I again have had the opportunities to sit at their feet and listen, no matter where you are in this game, I've had the opportunity to listen to you. And I want to make sure that our concerns are just meshed and blended in a way that we are still serving our families and our neighbors' best interests. So yes, I am uh, extremely excited to be the new kid on the block with a bunch of old kids that are really trying to make sure that we are, that we're being resourceful and good neighbors to each other. All right, very good. And I know a lot of our basketball fans out there are going, wait a minute. Mike <laughs> <laughs> so, so wait a minute, who's Mike and who's Scotty in that relationship? Right. It depends on what 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 we're playing. What team okay. are we playing? <laughs> uh, okay. I, Mike, of course, being Michael Jordan and Scotty, of course, being Scotty Pippen for our sports challenged listeners out there. They played on the Bulls in the 1990s sports challenge. Actually, I think even our sports challenged listeners know who Michael Jordan is. Uh, They may be a little weak on Scotty Pippen. All right. So that actually is a perfect segue uh, into this question. So you mentioned Michael Jordan and he was the one uh, who said uh, Republicans buy uh, Jim Shoes, too. I don't know if you know what that is uh, uh, a reference to, uh, Angela, but that was when in the early 90s when uh, he was being asked uh, to get involved in Democratic campaigns. And he was reluctant, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, uh, because, as he said, he had a he had an appeal that went beyond politics, went beyond race. He was universal. He was uh, global and he wasn't going to get involved in politics. So that was his response. It kind of has an application to Chicago. I generally call this my David Orr question. I ask this of all uh, uh, aldermanic candidates, pretty much all who come on the show. And it's a reference to a former alderman named David Orr. He used to be the uh, county clerk as well. Uh, he was in the 49th Ward, which is north of your ward. And way, way, way going back in the time capsule again, going back to 19 1983 or 1982 when Harold Washington announced he was running for mayor. I was calling around all the different aldermanic uh, candidates to see if they were going to endorse the great Harold Washington. Cause I was just so starstruck. I thought everybody should endorse Harold Washington. And so David Orr, a little older than me, a little wiser. Okay. And so when I asked David Orr, Alderman David Orr, he's a rookie alderman. Are you going to make uh, endorse Harold Washington? He goes, well, no, Ben, let me explain something to you. There are three candidates running in the Democratic primary for mayor of city of Chicago. One is Harold Washington. Two is uh, Richie Daly. Three is Jane Byrne. Now, if I endorse Harold Washington, I'll alienate the Jane Byrne supporters. I'll alienate the the, uh, Richie Daly supporters. Bet. I may have been born uh, at night, but it wasn't last night. So I'm not going to endorse anybody. And I'm going to appeal to the Harold Washington supporters and the Jay Byrne supporters, the David Orr, and the, excuse me, the Richie Daly supporters. Personally, I was very young and naive and idealistic. Angela, I thought, what a cop out. Harold needs your endorsement. I've since come <laughs> to see the wisdom of uh, young David Orr's kind of, but still, I, I still would have endorsed Harold Washington because come on, David Orr. Uh, anyway, so that leads me to the mayoral race. 
Are you going to pull a David Orr? Are you going to like, well, you know, uh, I want uh, Chewy Garcia supporters to vote for me. I want Brandon Johnson supporters to vote. I want Lori Lightfoot supporters. You know, David Orr would be going down the whole list. Jamal Green supporters. Hey, come on board. Uh, so are you going to pull a David Orr or are you going to go in a different direction with this mayoral race? Go ahead. No, I, first of all, I want all of the mayoral candidates to vote for Angela Clay in the 46th war, but we are definitely vibing um, with Brandon Johnson's camp right now. We, uh, our camps are definitely intertwined. We both were endorsed by the mighty United Working Families Party. Um, we have honestly been on the front lines of a lot of campaigns together. Um, and that means a lot to us. That means a lot to see a mayoral candidate on the front lines of a lot of the struggles that mayoral candidates will talk about but won't actually support or be about when they have the opportunity. So we are, we are definitely dating Brandon Johnson's camp right now and it's going very well. All right. And so, uh, but you still think uh, it's possible for a Chewy Garcia person to vote for you, even though you're with Brandon Johnson or uh, Jamal Green or Lori Life, et cetera, and so forth. Absolutely. Absolutely. This again is not that it's not, Politics, I, I again, as the new kid on the block, it, why is it so polarizing? Like, okay, we understand that our city uh, is at a divisive time, but I believe that this is the time where we need to be working together. And I would hope that COVID would show us that more than ever. Like, literally, y'all, we have gone through a tough time with each other um, to the point where we need to be working with each other, not opposed to each other because of um, a, a municipal race. <laughs> like, again, we are going to be married to whoever is in this head honcho seat for four years at the bare minimum. And during this four years, I, I can humbly say that we're still going to want the same things, y'all. We are still going to make sure, we're still going to want to make sure that we're not riding over potholes up and down the city of Chicago. We're going to make sure that we're not in a in a, a bad position with the teachers union, right? We want to make sure that we are positioning our families in a great way. And yeah, I think that we have the opportunity to do this. It, it just shouldn't be this polarizing, Ben. I'm with you on that one. Uh, and uh, uh, by the way, so you filed your petitions. You told me that before. So Monday, I'm all confused with time. Today is Wednesday. A Monday, you filed your petitions. Is that correct? We did. We filed over 2,700 petitions, Ben. Uh, yeah. Over signatures. Yeah, signatures. 2,720, yeah. over 2,700 signatures. Wow captured on 281 petition sheets with over 93 volunteers who have been all over this ward talking to neighbors and listening. I really empower my volunteers and anyone who is representing the neighbors for Angela Clay campaign. Our first priority is to listen. We are not at your doors trying to tell you what you need to be doing for you. No, I want to know what you think is best for you. And with that, I want to know what do you think is best for us? So, yeah, we are we are rocking and rolling. Monday was a great day. We were out there at 7 a.m. with some of the new kids and the old kids in one room. It was exciting. The energy was everything. Well, you know, I one of the old kids who I think is the Scotty Pippen in the relationship, Mark Kaplan, has been around a while. So he knows how to get... Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> he knows how I to play the game. Phil. I'm gonna call him Phil. Okay. Phil, call him Phil. Yeah, Phil. I think that's Phil. better. It's more like Phil Jackson. He's the wise old man on the bench, uh, giving you advice and then uh, telling you old stories about the old days. It's how we did it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but he probably he knows he learned from all those battles. Okay, how to get signatures and make sure they're valid. So I'm gonna guess. You're going to survive whatever challenge is going to be thrown yeah, at you. We are, we are gonna, we are going to be on this cruise ship. I mean, you know, Chicago politics is crazy. This is my second time running. I don't know if I've gotten a chance to say that, Ben, but four years ago, I was approached by some amazing neighbors who were asking me, Angela, who are you going to vote for? And I said. I don't know. I'm waiting to see who throws the hat in the race. I have, I don't see anybody that would get my vote right off the bat and nobody surely has tapped me on my shoulder. So um, a few weeks later, I got the opportunity to sit down with some good people and they say, Angela, you have to run. And I said, find somebody else. I have never been in a political campaign a day in my life. What are you talking about? politics is brutal and they were like Angela you've been doing this hard work since you were 14 years old you I I didn't get a chance to say this Ben but I became the youngest president of voice of the people when I was 22 years old right so I was handling million dollar millions of dollar budgets with a lot of stuck in their ways elders (laughs) uh, who did not uh, who did not see the vision that we had at the time and through that it really molded me to be able to be diverse and be just fluid and, and walk into rooms and talk to anybody and really get to the heart of our matter so we uh started late we got we started getting signatures late we waited until the last possible data file because we needed every signature to count um and we were held up in court by Two challengers. Um, I actually went to the Supreme Court of the Board of Elections, Ben. I don't know if any of you have been there. Avoid it at all costs if you can. But I went and uh, um, it held us up in court to almost after the new year, honestly. And so with that, we took that energy. uh, We got to the polls early. We were in front of voters on election day. We were in front of voters before we were even collecting petition signatures, just to let them know how serious we were because last election four years ago, we uh, came within 367 votes of making the runoff then. So with that knowledge that we had four years ago, with so little pot, with so little infrastructure and so little resources, we are taking that and we're running with it. So we can't prepare this time. Who, do you remember who the lawyer was that challenged you that was in court fighting you? Do you remember? Oh them? my God, are you going to bring up the traumatic experience? <laughs> um, uh, I don't remember the lawyer's name, but I do okay. remember the candidate's name. Okay. All right. Well, you know, that's an old game in the city of Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to lose if you have no opponents. So they try to knock the opponents off the ballot on some kind of technicalities. Uh, and there's a whole battery of election lawyers who are really good. Uh, they've memorized the code book. Uh, they are to election law like what I am to basketball. They know all the little ins and outs, and the details, and they put it to practice to put somebody like uh, a young Angela Clay under the microscope, tie her up, keep her in court, keep her away 
from campaigning, away from fundraisers. It's 101 of Chicago politics. We talk about it all the time in the show. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's just a triumph. You're absolutely correct when you say it, to make the ballot. Uh, and I just say this about that. I think it's a bogus thing. I understand it's the way the game is played. I don't, I, I, I'm very real. Okay. I know how the game of sh- politics played in the city of Chicago, but Democrats, you play this game and then you cry and whine like little babies because the turnout is like 35% or 40%. And you never seem to see the correlation between the fact that you're challenged any freaking body to kick them off the ballot. And the fact that people are so jaded and pessimistic and alienated from the system. You're so clueless. You're not as clueless as Democrats in New York. I must concede that. They are the most clueless bunch of Democrats I've ever seen. But come on, people in the city of Chicago. Sorry, I had to go on that tangent. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I don't even know who challenged you, but you know what? It's really ridiculous. It's a runoff system. You're vying to get into second place. That's what you're doing. Because Kappelman, in the old day, that was the guy who ran the the incumbent. You know, 40% of people are just going to wake up, go and vote for Kappelman because they know the name. Yeah. You know, well, yep. I like him. He did. He got me a parking permit. Yeah. And we could have respected if you just like challenged our signatures because one of those challenges was Kappelman. One of the challenges is actually running against me again this election. And we could have respected if it was just a simple signature challenge to say, no, these aren't their signatures or no, you don't have enough. But Ben, I was challenged to my soul. I had to produce documents. I had I had to do everything but bring my mother into the courtroom and say she birthed me. <laughs> So, and, you know, the Chicago political machine has has these stones that go deeper than just you as as a, a as a person that's running for political office. They will try to tear you up um, to your core. So yeah. having that experience. Oh, yeah. We're locked and loaded this time. Yeah, no, it makes no sense that Kaplan would knock you off. I, I don't even understand a strategy. Now you got me in a tangent with it. It makes no sense, Kaplan. Why, why would you knock a ch- she she's not going to get votes from you. She's going to take a vote to the other ones, the other candidates that are challenging. It doesn't even make sense. Don't get me started. Just don't get me started on challenges. Uh, but you know what? You'll get elected. Next thing you know, you'll be challenging people. <laughs> oh, I told my team we are not. I'm so traumatized by the challenge. I literally been. That was some of the. That was some of the most brutal, just having to to show your worth as a human to want to do good in the city of Chicago was mind blowing. It it's was a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of energy. I just I mean, again, a sport as political sport. I have to admit, I get a I get kind of a, like a bizarre, twisted uh, interest in it, following it. You know, I remember when I talk about this all the time, when Jamal Green and Ricky Hennon almost went to blows over uh, his Ricky Hennon challenging Jamal Green on behalf of Willie Wilson. You know, and then it's like they go, Willie Wilson is so popular in the black community. Oh, if he's so popular, why is he trying to knock off every black candidate that runs? <laughs> if you're so popular, just run. Yeah. You know, just run yeah. your race. Run, run your, your race. race. Run your race. You know, you know, you ever hear with Michael Jordan, like, trying to get another opponent from playing. Well, uh, I'm going to challenge his eligibility. Anyway, so you got serious. me started. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm glad I got you started because a lot of people been one don't even know that this is uh, one of the 
the the the ways that people are kept from actually getting on the ballot they don't know that this is a way that you really break a lot of good people down before they even get to the hard work and they don't really understand that it's really not a good look because what are you as i was the only candidate of color on the ballot the last time so it really to me was deeper than just oh I want to knock you off the ballot and let's you know play tug of war here that was a deeper sign to me that again I thought we were on the same page for our communities that for a diverse community at that and the only person that's really representing the diversity of this ward you're trying to knock them off Mm. doesn't make sense to me uh, no, none of it makes sense. All right, listen. Uh, you, as the millennials say, you triggered me with that. Okay, that's what you did. You triggered me. Right? As a millennial, we gotta get. We have to treat that traumatic yeah. experience. Okay. You gotta channel it to some positive, send out positive vibrations. So that's how we're gonna close the show. We're gonna channel out positive Thanksgiving vibrations to everybody in the city of Chicago, everybody in the forty-six ward, include everybody in the whole universe. Uh, so. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Take a couple days off. Rest. Do your yoga. uh, (laughs) I don't even know if you do yoga. Do it anyway. Okay. Uh, uh, What's that one where you stand and you go like, I can't remember what it's called. Whatever it is, do it. (laughs) I got you. I got you. I'm looking forward to it, Ben. I appreciate you for taking the time out to talk to to me and really, you know, get to the root of this. This is a historic moment. No one has ever been a person of color as alderman in the 46th ward in history. So I drive that home to say that we actually have an opportunity to have a leader born and raised in this community that has been on the front lines of making sure that all of our neighbors are fully taken care of to lead this community um, in city council as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm truly humbled and truly gracious by the experience. All right. Thank you very much, Angela. I also want to do, uh, take a moment. Uh, Thanksgiving. Thank absolutely everybody that helps me do this podcast. All my great producers, uh, Dr. D, uh, DJ Nate, producer Chris, and all the guests who are just like so freaking uh, good with their time, so gracious with their time. And just uh, when I reach out to them, I'm thinking, I, I don't want to start naming them because then I'll, oh, God, I didn't name this. You know, I just feel like bad getting them, but, but I just can't thank uh, everybody enough um, just supporting me uh, all year long. And so uh, happy Thanksgiving to absolutely everyone. And Angela, happy Thanksgiving to you. And thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving. And one more shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all in Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Angela Clay and Helen Schiller and Mark Kaplan and David Kaplan will tell you, D-K-I-C-U, point guard, Lane Tech. Uh, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for DeMarvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. In fact, absolutely everyone out there in podcast land for Thanksgiving, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great Thanksgiving. Peace and love. Thank <laughs> you.